What are you watching? Children's programming. Yeah, just do some audio tests if you could. Unique New York. Unique New York. Power Book 2, Ghost. Lucy C. Lucille Ball and more glamorous stars at the beach. The best movies and TV shows. August, I'm just re reading a page off of IMDb. Oh, it's all good. I don't mind. Don't mind at all. Tom Wait. Hank, Greyhound. You sound beautiful. All right, perfect. You really do. You're, uh, the, the build up to having you on this podcast is so phenomenal because yeah, I mean, you guys hype me up too much. I'm probably going to ruin it. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't think you will. I think you're really going to add to the ambiance of the show. Yeah, hopefully. I really think you're going to be our finest episode yet. You're number 20. So lucky number 20. Yeah. I like that. XX. Yeah. Number XX for, uh, for a sexy man with three X's. How you been, man? How's things? Pretty good. Just pushing through this quarantine. Yeah. It could be worse. That's true. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Good morning, sir. I can I can barely hear you. Um, how are you on this fine day? Oh, I'm doing just well. Are we going to have you mobile for a few minutes? Yeah. All right. That sounds okay. <laughs> this is, uh, this is, by the way, he's, um, He's a, he's a legend in the new media program, if not the most famous person in the new media program. Yeah, not sure why yet. I mean, the first one who got a media degree there, but... This is true. He is the first, uh, he was one of the first uh, new media graduates. Like in the inaugural class. Pretty cool. No. Yeah. A true Special. legend. Can you explain the wolf on your t-shirt? I really want to know about this. Yeah, well, I mean, I like wolves, so, you know... I saw this shirt and just like, it's me. I gotta get it. Yeah, I mean it's beautiful. It really, it really speaks to you. It really speaks to your um, your inner beauty. It really does. Yeah, like, we'll see the like those tacky kind of, and you know it's like all weird looking background. Like oh, they're they're always tacky looking, but it's like the one wolf shirt I saw. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I like the lack of a background. It really, uh, really, I think it really accentuates your uh, your figure. I think so. Thank you. Yeah. Nick, I can barely hear you over there. So we're, we're just going to, we'll just go on. And then when you can actually get into the indoors, then we'll, we'll include you. Yeah. He's just gotten out. Okay. Just call us, call us when you get back. We'll, we'll start without you. All right. So it's just me and you. So we'll, we'll actually, we'll build up your, your entrance, if you will, because Nick Turco is going to, you know, he's really going to really shit his, uh, his shorts, if you will, for lack <laughs> of a better term, by the fact that you're here. Um, I'm going to put some bleeps in when we say your name in the beginning, because we have to really, we have to really build up the fact that you're here. All right, I mean, I feel like Nick's probably going to be the person that's going to be excited to yeah, I mean, hearing your voice, he'll probably know who you are immediately. So we he, we probably won't even need to put the bleeps in because he'll he'll know exactly that blankety wow. blank is here. That's a good chance. I can believe that. Yeah. So I guess I'll do the introduction. Um, welcome, uh, kids, deplorables, um, resident, um, uh, drug addicts. We we support you all. Um, we're here in the day of our Lord, um, August the sixth, uh, two thousand and twenty. 
This is Children's Programming. This is episode 20. I am your host, Matt Dixon. Nick Paradis will join us in a few moments. He's coming home from his work at the at the mines. And I'm right now, I just uh, can't really hear him. Yeah, we can't hear him too well. So he's like he's he's driving through a bridge somewhere under a tunnel, and uh, we'll have him him shortly. But until Nick Paradis gets here, we're going to be joined by our very very special guest. Um, I cannot hype him up enough. A friend, a a philosopher a film critic, a artist, a director, a thespian, truly one of the crowning human beings of his generation, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Buckley. What's up? How's it going? He's here, people. Nick Turco, Larry is here. We got him on the podcast. I'm here. Be jealous. Yep, this is it. All right, take it easy. (laughs) That's all you have to say. That's that's quite the entrance. That's how I do all my um, talk shows and stuff. Yeah, a quick hi and then I peace out. Have you ever felt like uh, like what would your what would your talk show appearance be like? If you really would you really make it a one to remember? I mean, it would have to be really quick. I mean, I I don't like the idea of being on a talk show. That's too nerve wracking. I would just have to walk in, say hi, shake the hand of whoever is the host, and then just wave again and walk around. I think that would be one of the most fantastic entrances of all time. I think so, at least. I think it'd be perfect on you. It really would be. Yeah. We'll to see someday. I'll, I'll try it out. Yeah. Well, for those who are not in the know, uh, Larry is and was the first or one of the first graduates of the new media program at SUNY Orange in upstate New York. Truly one of the crowning achievements of any man's life. No less the Lord and Savior, Larry Buckley himself. Yeah, it was me and his last name. His name was Matt. But, yeah, it was just us two, God. Yeah. Yeah, it truly was a time. It was, it was a time back in those days. True. Yeah. Too true. So what have you been up to lately, man? I know it's been a hot minute. The last time I saw you, you, uh, you waved to me from a distance at a, uh, a local Target store. And, did I? Um, you did. You waved, and uh, you gave like a little wave, and I, I thought I saw your face for a second, but I, I thought he he can't be there. He's not. He he's not real. And mm-hmm. then you came up and gave me a rub on the shoulder, and there he was in the flesh. Yeah, I most likely have it. I I thought last time was at Alex's, but now that you mentioned that, I feel like that did happen. Yeah, I don't remember. It's been a while. I, I don't remember much of what happened at Alex's house anyway. So. Yeah, none of us did. It's a little scary. It is a little scary. It's a little, little, uh, little concerning, actually. Nerve wracking. That's okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. For for those who are not in the know, Larry's a great guy, a great uh, student of film. A um, I remember the one, the first time I ever saw you. I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I was working at a local movie theater, and you came and asked me if we were selling tickets right after Gene Wilder died for Blazing Saddles, (laughs) if we were getting it in our theater, and I said no. And lo and behold, the following week, what did we get in the theater but Blazing Saddles? Blazing Saddles. I was very, very, um, I didn't know you at the time, but I was very disappointed thinking about it after the fact that I was not able to give you what you asked for. Damn, yeah, you're sorry. And I would like to publicly apologize for that. That's all right, it's all right. Thanks for made. I knew you were wrong, but I just I just took your answer and walked away. Truly. 
Nick, are you joining us now? Yeah, I'm back. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, actually. Yeah? How was the mine? Um, you know, tough as usual. Yeah? Home to this um, adorable dog. Yes. Does the dog have a few words to say to the people, uh, to the children of the world? Zoe, do you have anything to say for the podcast, buddy? I guess not. Zoe doesn't say much. So, Larry, this is a sort of a variety show, sort of a everything goes kind of a thing. So we don't really have much of a structure as we started off. But, you know, we have some things. We have some advice that we give out to people. We, you know, we talk about film. We talk about, you know, the news of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that really what we want to start off with today would be that um, Kanye West is losing his mind. Yeah. And I would personally love to hear your opinion on the man himself from the man himself. Yeah. I mean, I don't follow too much onto that, but it is, it has been like a really, just cause I know there's people out there that would be dumb enough to vote for him. So luckily though, it seems like he's kind of not going down that road anymore. Right. I mean, I mean, he's still there. He's, he's trying to get his name on the, on the ballots in some States, even though it's, you know, he's probably a year late for something like that. Oh, okay. He's also having a mental breakdown, though. He That's is having the... a mental breakdown. Yeah. And I wonder, is it is it a mental health crisis, or is it a just Kanye being Kanye situation, is my question. Well, I think he definitely he definitely has mental health issues, right? Like, yeah. I think that's, um, it's, it's pretty well established in the, the Kanye lore, if you will, now that he's, he's bipolar and he suffers from that. So I, I don't know if this is just a manifestation of that. Like he ran for president as one of his manic episodes, maybe. But I mean, Donald Trump ran for president as one of his manic episodes and he won. So fair. Lightning never strikes twice. I guess so. What's on the menu today there, Skip? Uh, we got some uh, pasta with broccoli and we've got a nice uh, salad. Beautiful. Ready to go. We have a man on a diet. Yeah. I'm trying to trying to slim down. You feel me? I did 50 push-ups this morning. I'll do 50 more later. Beautiful. Did I tell you my big news, Dixon? What's the big news? The uh, live on the podcast, the Mustang might become a reality. The Mustang might become a reality. Yes, I, uh, I've spoken to the owner. We're um, working out the specifics of a deal. We just have to agree on pricing and all of those things. But uh, it looks like my project car dream is coming to fruition beautiful i'm glad to hear it live here on the podcast next week when it doesn't come to fruition i will say i was wrong and then we'll talk about why you were wrong in the first place yeah why i should never have have thought it would happen ever are you getting a mustang or something yeah so uh my my neighbor down the road has a has a mustang that I, it it was off the road like it didn't have plates on it or anything it was a little dented on one side so it looked like no, it, obviously no one was using it. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, I, I walked by one day, he happened to be out there. I said, hey, what's uh, what's going on with it? My hope was that it was kind of broken down. This could be something that I could fix it. It's a little less broken down than I hoped, which sounds weird to say about a car you want to buy. But mm-hmm. um, but he's, he said, yeah, the engine is pretty good, but it's, there's just cosmetic things that need to be fixed. And like the AC is needs to be fixed and stuff like that. And But um. He said he was open to selling it, so we're right. going to try to figure something out. What year is it? 2006. It was right right when they went back to the retro design, which is mm-hmm. uh, 
a, bi- a big thing for me because I'm not a fan of the, the 90s Mustang design, the early 2000s design. Yeah, and I feel like the early 90s, maybe like late 80s, was probably like the worst design-wise. Mm-hmm. Just for all muscle cars in general, like that was when we had like the fishbowl Camaro, and it was just a disaster. <laughs> like what? Camaro. So, yeah. so Larry, what what's what's going on in your life? Do you have anything uh, anything pressing that's that's concerning you at the moment, or you know, what do you what's your thoughts on what's going on in the world right now? I don't know. It's it, spooky. I'm getting spooked. That's all I, I have going on with that. I'm not liking it. No, there's a ghost in your house. Yeah, man, it's not good. What have you been doing the last few years since the last time I saw you? Can you give us the full update? Full update. I mean, nothing really too crazy. I mean, did you move out west for a little bit? I heard, or you went, yeah, you went somewhere. Yeah, I went to Portland, Oregon, for a little bit. Um, How was that? How was it like living out there? I liked. I mean, my favorite thing there was like they had this really. Um, they had like, like this video store they're like a rental video store they're called movie madness and it was like literally like almost every movie under the sun there and they have like movie props like behind like you know these glass walls and i don't know it's just a really cool thing to see and yeah it was like always packed there so i don't know it's cool being something like that again they have kind of a retro culture out there that i've noticed in like the northwest where they they really kind of latched on to old like, school ways of doing things yeah like i feel like if we tried having something like that here it wouldn't work out at all <laughs> did mm-hmm. you ever go to the retro gaming expo while you were up there i didn't know that even existed yeah there's the portland retro <laughs> gaming expo i've always wanted to go there because like you said the the upper west portion of the united states always has a lot of i think it's just because there's a lot of gaming companies out there by seattle and vancouver mm-hmm. um, i've always wanted to go up there for that because the the retro gaming scene up there is really big. Is Nintendo's world headquarters in Seattle? No, it's in Redmond, I believe. Mm. And then because I know they, Microsoft the also, Mariners. Yeah, they do. I believe they do. Or at um, least they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the the guy who owned Nintendo, um, he was like one of the richest people in Japan at the time. I mean, he's long dead now, but yeah, he mm-hmm. bought the Mariners. I think he never, he had never watched a baseball game in his life. Yet he owned the Mariners, which was interesting. Mm. Which I mean, you makes perfect make sense for, for, a, for a sports team owner, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I suspect that, I strongly suspect that there's a lot of sports team owners now that have never watched a game in their life. No, probably for not. For example, the Will Ponds. Yes, this, this is true. <laughs> I've never heard the Will Ponds say anything. I, I don't ever hear the Will Ponds talk about anything other than, you know, when people are shitting on them in the public eye. Can you, um, can you just walk us through real quick, you as a Met fan, like, how does it feel knowing that even in a 60-game season, the Mets have already found a way to screw themselves out of a playoff spot? Well, Larry, since you're not a sports fan, I'll try to I'll try to describe this in terms you might be able to understand. Like, how do you know? Because I'm Googling Wilpons right now. Yeah, uh, the <laughs> Wilpons own the Mets, and uh, I'm a my gigantic Mets fan. The Wilpons are notorious for their bad ownership of the team. They don't spend money despite having the money to spend. When they do spend money, they spend it on bad players. They negotiate bad contracts. They were scammed by Bernie Madoff, infamously. That's the that's the short version. Um, the Wilpons took control of the Mets in the early '80s, along with another gentleman named uh, Nelson Doubleday. 
Um, they were really successful in the beginning. They bought, they got a new uh, general manager, really rebuilt the whole team, drafted a bunch of great players, and won a World Series. And then, you know, ever since then, um, you know, his the main owner's son has kind of taken control of the team, has made many many bad free agent deals, uh, signing you know, you know, players from other teams. For if you don't understand, Larry. <laughs> Um, no, and his which basically one is the, which one is the son Jeff will, Jeff will Jeff is, the is the son yeah I always forget so you know like I said they Jeff pretty much destroyed any credibility the team had he the Wilpons are the most hated people in probably all of New York sports they're probably the most hated owners you know short of you know the owner of the Knicks as far as yeah, sports I was teams gonna go. say maybe maybe Jim Dolan is is equally hated yeah but, but it's not by much um, it's really a struggle to see them go through that right now, you know, but to be honest, I saw somebody describe it the other day as the, it's, it's nothing out of the ordinary. It's, it's probably the most ordinary thing that's going on right now for the Mets to suck. So that's all I have to say yeah. on that. I'm trying to think Even of, in a pandemic, the Mets will still let us down. Exactly. Um, we could discuss like, um, what do you guys think on what's going to happen to movie theaters once things go back to normal? I mean, obviously, their AMC was already close to fucking getting destroyed before this all happened. But, um, what do you think is going to be like when when we go back to normal and and the company is going to realize that oh, we can just release the movie for twenty dollars on iTunes and make the same amount of money probably? Yeah, but that already seems like people are not liking it. Like they're already saying about like Mulan being sold or rented maybe for like twenty nine ninety nine. And no one seems to really be on board with that kind of thing. So I don't know. I feel like they're just going to pick off, like you know, like where they left off, so, you know, before this whole thing happens. It seems like twenty nine ninety nine is like way too much money to rent a movie for one time, even for like a whole family. Like even even if you think about it, and you're like, well, I would be paying that much to go to the cinema anyway. It's still like. Yeah. It seems absolutely absurd in this era where we have a Netflix subscription is like half that a month and you get all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. A TV subscription is like double that a month and you get how many channels. It's, it seems crazy to me that they think they can do a, a one day release for like $30 for one movie. But yeah. um, expecting people to like, like when there's like a sporting event in your house and you have people come over and everyone chips in like $5 for like pay-per-view whatever yeah but the difference between pay-per-view and like something like mulan is like i could understand it if this was like a one-time thing you know like a pay-per-view event is never going to happen again i don't know but have you ever seen i mean like you know what i mean though like like when the the mayweather mcgregor fight happened um that was like the social event of the century yeah, it was like a one-time or like big boxing matches that yeah. tend to go pay-per-view. It's like a one-time thing. Mm. But Mulan will just be out on DVD in three months for the same price, and you'll be able to you'll be able to buy it and watch it whatever you want. So I, I think you have to look at it at like what kind of people are going to the movies these days. Um, you'll look at you know the in the guy who's going to watch every every single movie that comes to the theater. You know, you always have that regular customer that's going to go see a movie in the theater no matter what, because that's just what they do. You'll see that mm-hmm. with a lot of older people. They'll tend to just watch whatever's out just because that's that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll get like the the parents who will bring their kids to a to a Disney or Marvel movie because it's like the only time they get, 
you know, where they don't have to take care of their kids. They just throw them in front of a screen yeah, and kind of just leave them there. Um, where you're really going to lose a lot, I think, is is the casual kind of watcher. Because, you know, as we get to the the old, like when we get to the the younger kids now that are going to grow up, there's less and less of an incentive to really go to the movies because it's more of a it, it's more, mostly just a social thing, to be honest. I mean, not many people I would think go to the movies by themselves. I mean, I would think people like us would be outliers. Yeah. Oh, it's a better experience though, I feel like, especially for certain movies like like um like Christopher Nolan lately was saying how like, you know, his movies like meant for like an actual movie theater experience. Yeah, or like the the same reason that um they were saying Top Gun the Top Gun sequel got delayed to like November because they're like this is the only chance we have to show it on a big screen and it needs to be seen there like you you watch Top Gun on your your 50 inch TV it's just not going to be the same experience I really think we're kind of bridging the gap now because a lot of those 4k TVs they're getting a lot more expensive they're getting a lot more affordable rather so I think like once surround sound systems and like really good 4k televisions that are like at least 70 or 80 inches are available for most home consumers which i think they're getting there because like even my tv is like a 50 inch and i only paid 300 dollars for it and it's a 4k tv i don't think theaters will ever go really go away though because like it's just a cultural thing in america is is going to the movies with your friends it's like you know it's like hamburger restaurants and hot rods and stuff like that you know go to the back in the 50s it was going to the drive-in you know, then it became going to the the movie theater, going to the the mall to go to the movies, and it's just something that we do in this country, and I it's ingrained in who we are for generations. I don't think it'll ever really go; it'll just take shape, take change shape. I think it's kind of the same thing as like music. Like you, people go to concerts just because they like the artist. Like people are going right. to go to the movies just to see their particular favorite like franchise or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what's really going to hit heart uh, the like independent uh, movies is a lot of the smaller movies not are not going to get as much attention anymore, and I think that's part of the current problem we're in is that a lot of this you know cookie cutter sort of entertainment we're given now. That's really what I'm worried about is the lack of exposure for smaller movies. Mm-hmm. Like you'll like get me- you still get the big director like a, a Nolan or a Tarantino will still get there. Because mm-hmm. it's like I said, it's more or less a franchise, a, a brand uh, established by a director. But how will you get the next Nolan or Tarantino if you're not That's giving thing, yeah. independent movies the time of day? I mean, we still see people like the Safdie brothers and, you know, um, who else would be like, you know, Nicholas Winding Refn on a, on a smaller level mm-hmm. that are still sure. able to, to build a smaller base of uh, fans today. I think it's or still like, possible. I think I, or I think Taika Waititi is probably the best yeah. example of that. Somebody who really was, really was indie. Like he was making movies in New Zealand for like a thousand bucks, you know, and, and well, it was he, just kind of him and his friends. And then it evolved into this. He's, he's making Marvel movies. He's doing Star Wars. He's doing all this shit. Oh, is that, is he the guy that did, um, uh, Thor Ragnarok? Yeah. Yeah. And Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He started out doing. I think his first movie was called like Eagle versus Shark or something like that, and it was just it starred like his friends, and like it was like a it was like a real Kevin Smith type of situation. Like he just made it in New Zealand for like five thousand dollars or whatever it was, and 
put it in a local film festival and then it just every every movie he made the budget got a little bigger the cast got a little more a-list you know what i mean Mm -hmm. kind of it evolved into making a, a marvel movie and winning an oscar yeah, I like to think that he's not as overrated as I think he is because the thing with me is like I'll always think that somebody's overrated because immediately after somebody becomes big, kind of like the Safdie brothers are becoming now, it just it irks me a little bit when they get more indie, when they get beyond their indie status. I guess it just bothers me a little bit. Like I'm not a big Christopher Nolan or a, um, who am I thinking? I'm not, not a big Wes Anderson guy just because of that. It's because, because you're a hipster. Is because I'm saying. a hipster sometimes, yes. Yeah. I don't, uh, you, you, you like the fact that you knew who they were before everyone else did. More or less. And I get, I get that completely. I think there's, and I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. And it, it's kind of, it, it, it is an irrational thought. Like, at the end of the day, it's like, if people are appreciating the art, you know, that's what really matters. But it's hard not to be like, I understand it, because it's like, this was my, you've, you think of it in terms of like this was my special thing, and now everyone else knows about it. Larry, did you have any director like that you felt that was like indie, and then all of a sudden it just became like gigantic, and you kind of like, eh. I mean, only like the big ones you can think of now. Like, I mean, I don't know. Did when you say like Kevin Smith technically is like that now? Like, you know, he's, I mean, he's he's doing like the movies like in the same universe and all that, but he's like a much more. He's most certainly not like that anymore. I don't I don't think he was ever really that way. Like his fans are very like we're very like weird. We're like a weird strange cult. I don't think it's on the same level of a Chris Nolan or someone like that. Because like he hasn't made a good he hasn't made a quote unquote good movie in probably 20 years, you know, relatively. Like I love Clerks too. You know, yeah. I love I love movies that he that makes like Red State, but you can't really judge him on those movies now because his his real commercial success was anything basically dogma and before. So Kevin Smith is the filmmaking version of Weezer, as we've <laughs> as we heard from a uh, a Facebook post on the uh, World of Kevin Smith uh, Facebook yeah. page. His, could- his 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 dynamite album, his dynamite work dropped in 1994, and he became super successful. Then he made and and underrated uh artistic piece that everyone hated at the time and now everyone loves and then he's made nothing but average or bad things since then even though i personally like a lot of his stuff i think if you looked at it from a critical standpoint average or below average most of it that's weezer (laughs) more or less well, I remember asking you, Matt, if, if there were the Jane Sound Bob reboot was like worth watching. I think you just said something along the lines of like, if you're like a big Kevin Smith fan or something, you might enjoy it. But I'll give you my thoughts on it because um, I didn't give you a really detailed version. Y- you know, like I said, when when you look at any of his films, anything post like Zack and Mary make a porno, I kind of view them as that like after he discovered weed, he kind of just became a little nutty in the head. <laughs> I mean, he seemed like he was on that like during Clerks, I would think. No, I don't like. I think he was kind of, you know, I I love Kevin, but I think he he got a little too big for his britches after Clerks. Like you can see in older interviews with him and like older 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 footage, he was a lot more pretentious than he is now. I mean, you can kind of separate him into like three generations. You have the the emo Kev, you have the two thousands really large Kev who got kicked off of a plane. 
<laughs> and then you have the, oh, I hung out with Seth Rogen and I smoked weed, Kevin, which is kind of the way he is now. And now he's kind of in that fourth era of, I had a heart attack, guys. Feel bad for me. <laughs> um, he's like, a Kevin Smith is a living meme. More or less. More or less, he's a living meme. Um, <laughs> Much like how Weezer is a living meme. <laughs> yeah. Um, Reboot was not a great movie on filmmaking standards. It was, I mean, it was well shot. It was a great looking movie, but it was more or less just the same movie. And I think that was, I think that was his intention. But, you know, right after the heart attack, I think this is more of just a love letter to his fans to, you know, reference all of his movies throughout his career. And then I think that was just more or less his, his kind of reawakening from his heart attack. And hopefully he'll use that to, hopefully bring these characters back in a better way in his subsequent films. <laughs> I remember at one point he was saying he was going to do some movie. I think it was called, it was going to be called he hit somebody. Yeah. It was a hockey movie. Yeah. Like a two part hockey movie. Like I was looking more forward to that, but then they said he's doing the, the Jane sound Bob reboot. And yeah, I remember seeing the trailer and I started it didn't look good. And then I tried watching it the other day and I couldn't, it. and I tried again and got like 10 minutes into it and I had to turn it off. Yeah. It's one of those it's one of those movies like um it's it's like Spider-Man Homecoming or something like that where you you already know if it's it's kind of review proof, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you already know just from hearing that it exists whether you're going to like it or not. Right. I don't know. I mean I love the original. Like the original one like still makes me laugh, but mm-hmm. this one just kept failing for me and i just i couldn't keep going i mean especially like just seeing jason Mew now just how he looked like with the like the teeth look looked awkward like i don't know if he's wearing like dentures or something but just that was like distracting to look at too i gotta say like you know all jokes aside he looks he his teeth were kind of fucked up i did notice that while i was watching the movie i think i even mentioned that to you afterward yeah i was like what's going what was going on with Jason Mewes's teeth, but like, um, he—I gotta say—he looks good for somebody who had like a a Britney Spears esque mid career meltdown yeah. and was like, yeah, super, he had a, he had a rough time for a few years. I mean, like, he had, um, he had a rough time throughout the entirety of of up until maybe ten years ago. Can we talk for a second about how weird it is that somehow people who are super addicted to hard drugs for a long time? but are famous somehow don't look horrible afterwards. Well, yeah, like you see like someone like maybe like Edward Furlong, he's, he's still been able to keep somewhat of his good looks throughout the years, even though he did some hard drugs in his day. Or like Anthony Kiedis. Yeah. Was so fucking strung out in like the eighties and nineties. And you would not know it at all. Just looks like a regular 50 year old man. Ozzy. Perfect example. Ozzy has never looked good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he like he's looked the same for like 40 years like it's amazing <laughs> I, I don't think that show he did the the reality show did him any justice how how what percentage of the time do you guys think that ozzy knows what's happening <laughs> um i'm gonna i'm gonna say i think it, it's 15 percent of the time he's he's cognizant of the world yeah he definitely seems pretty senile i, I mean <laughs> He's during the, the, um, what was it called? Meet the Osbournes or? Yeah, yeah. I think it was just the Osbournes. That was Osbourne. his, uh, his show. It was one of the first real reality TV shows of its time. Of Meet the Barkers. That's what the other show was called. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. But then Travis yes. and 
his his porn star wife. <laughs> the golden age of MTV reality television. Yeah. You had Remember Viva MTV La Bam Cribs? and you had um yeah, MTV Cribs. You had um uh Hogan had Knows Punk Best. With Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. You had Last Call with Carson Daly. Yeah, there you know. go. That was the one where he um he was like the Jimmy Fallon of MTV, meaning that he was an unfunny host of an unfunny show. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, Cribs, it wasn't even like really their house though, right? It was just It like, was like they went, went to like famous people's houses. It was like, wow, look how cool I am. I live in this crazy house. Yeah, I thought it was like not really like they said, like eventually, like it wasn't even like really their house. There's like, there probably one or two celebrities where it was actually their house that they were showing off. Yeah, like the Playboy Mansion or yeah. I mean, the Osborne's obviously lived in that actually, one house. Because like they probably wouldn't want to be just given out where they lived on fucking yeah. national television. <laughs> I mean, people probably already know because they have, you know, star maps and things like that. So. But not like back in like the late nineties and early two thousands. No, I would think they would. I would think they would still have. They would have that by that point. I mean, that was a that was, that was a thing in the seventies of them having star maps. I mean, you could figure it out. Like it's all public record. Where there was a where, um, there was a character in the Bad News Bears that sold star maps for for money. I remember in the movie. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that was in the seventies. So that was that was still a thing early on. Remember um. Did you see like a couple days ago? Reese Witherspoon gave out her phone number. Yeah, it's like you for guys what reason? All text me. It was I. I'm I'm waiting like a, a a week and a half to text it and be like, "Is this actually you?" Because like usually when people do that, usually when people do that, it's just one of those automated shits. Yeah, you know a lot of I mean? celebrities are doing that now, where you can text their number and it's just like they're like you know you follow yeah. their mailing list or something. But I'm like. I'm I'm curious, so I want to wait like a week, and then like for everybody else to get it out of their system, and then be like, "Is this is this real? Like, what? Why why did you do this?" And then just see what happens. I totally heard they did something like that when Ghostbusters like first came out. Like, didn't they like like send out like an actual number for people to call, and it would be like some sort of like Ghostbuster like like automated message that would be playing? That's so funny. Yeah, I thought I heard that. I don't know if it's like a number that's still that you can still call, but definitely saw that. I forget who made it a point, but like there's there's a point saying that like a lot of the older numbers that you see for things that were like on advertisements now lead to like sex lines or something like that. <laughs> Yikes. I think it was um the angry the angry video game there that pointed that out. Did he call him and like Yeah, there was like him? a there was like a phone number in one of his reviews in one of the games, and then he called and it was like a sex line. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like a Nintendo game for kids now reaches a sex line. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. I tried to um I tried to uh text Dove Cameron from Disney Channel one time. Was his number she, available or her number? No, she was um she she like gave out her number somehow to like it was one of those automated things and um my friend was like you should text it and see if it's real. And I was like, well, why don't you just text it and see if it's real? And she's like, but I don't want to. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll do it. I was like, is this real? Like, who are you? She's like, hi, subscribe to my chat feed so we can have fun conversation. Oh, fuck off. And I, I said, send dudes and I'll think about it. <laughs> I never got a response. Imagine if you did. Listen, I would have subscribed after that. Like, 
So Larry, let's give you some time to maybe talk about something that is uh, more personal to you. What are your, some of your comedic inspirations? Because I know you're pretty, uh, you're pretty slapsticky kind of guy. You know, you got some of that, you got some of that dry humor I like, and I'd love to hear about it. Where do you, where do you get some of that inspiration? I mean, honestly, I feel like Wesley Nielsen, <laughs> like the airplane, Naked Gun movies. I just love his, just like straight face kind of humor. Just like his delivery. I don't know. He was always he was like, he was the absolute best at that. Just being yeah. like. No, it's kind of a shame though, because it seemed like he, like in the beginning, he actually did like dramas at first or whatever. But, hmm. but then yeah, he came more known for like airplane and naked gun movies. But I don't know, just yeah, seeing someone like him, it was always just I don't know, just funny to watch. Do you think the '80s was probably the golden age of uh, like that slapstick uh, kind of comedy, or maybe the mid '70s to the to maybe the maybe the early '90s sort of an era, kind of a broad range, but you know, the Mel Brooks kind of an era. I feel like his movies, I don't know, I can't really think of that many good comedies, like, during, like, 70s, 80s. Well, you had Caddyshack, you had The Naked Gun, you had Airplane, like you said, you know, um, Monty Python, I guess you could say, around that time. Hmm. Anything Bill Murray. Well, Holy Grail, that was probably 60s, right? Holy Grail was, I think, 73, I want to say, 75. I'd have to go back and like look at the dates. Monty Python's great. It yeah. can't have been it can't have been that early because Harry Gilliam was doing like like Brazil came out in nineteen eighty four and that was like right after the uh, Monty Python split up. So it must have been probably seventy five. It was definitely in the seventies, it was somewhere around there, but mm-hmm. I I fucking love Monty Python. Especially the Holy Grail and um and uh, Life of Brian. Life of Brian's one of my favorite movies. Turco actually introduced me to Life of Brian. Oh, yeah. That was Did a phenomenal. Um, the original Pink Panther movies? No, I haven't. With Peter really. Sellers? Yeah, like those yeah. are funny still. They're great. They hold up. Peter yeah. Sellers was super great. Like, he was like, I mean, like all these guys now, like Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, who play like multiple characters in the same movie. Oh. Like, um, Peter Sellers like the godfather of all of that. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't too big a fan. I mean, just the whole movie in general, but with him being in, um, uh, what was it, Doctor Strangelove? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that movie in general, I wasn't too big a fan of, but I figured, oh, awesome combination. Peter Sellers and Kubrick. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. I was a little disappointed with that. I mean, I like Peter Sellers' role, just seeing him in the scenes, but the rest of the movie, I wasn't, like, too big a fan of. Yeah, I know it's always hailed as like one of the dark comedy masterpieces. Yeah. What yeah. were the movies that got you into interested in filmmaking originally? Uh, I feel like honestly, like mostly horror movies, just because I feel like that was like the stuff I always ended up watching when I was younger, like like Scream and like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, like because that was like stuff my oldest sister would watch. Mm-hmm. And I would be in the room like watching too, and then I don't know, like, seeing the those movies always just seemed kind of cool the way they looked, like those and Evil Dead. I don't know, and then yeah, I just got more and more into it as like you know, I got older. You never struck me as a horror guy, to be honest. I mean, not like um, uh, Labuda, um, but oh, yeah. our good friend Brian Labuda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he definitely knows horror a lot more than I do, but um, 
Yeah, that guy's like a savant on on horror films. It's kind of it's kind of odd. <laughs> I just know more of the mainstream stuff. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I always like those kind of movies. Is there anything in particular about them that just anything that stood out in horror movies that really made them your favorite? Not really. I mean, I just kind of focus on like one like certain direct, like Wes Craven. I always kind of started like following his movies, like um, Last House on the Left and. Um, um, like Hills Have Eyes and Scream. Like, I don't know, I just started, like, getting more into his movies. But, yeah, I don't know, like, what really stuck him out the most for me. I just was more interested in those. The thing I always have an issue with with horror movies is that I don't like to be scared when I watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm just, like, too much of a pansy when it comes to that. Like, when yeah. I watch a movie, like, it can have a little bit of, like, scare factor to it, but when it's, like, nothing but jump scares and, like, it's fucking torture porn, I just, I, I can't do it. It's just not for me. Yeah. Like, we watched I mean, Midsommar a couple months, like, a couple months or so back, and I just, like, I understand why it's an important film and why people love it because of its, you know, its dark imagery and its symbolism and just how fucking weird it is, but... All the I, reasons I love it, for example. I know it's just it's it's perfect for someone like you. I just I can't I can't get into it. Like I respect it for what it is. Like I have nothing against horror movie as a genre, other than everything. But you know, <laughs> I just uh, it doesn't. Do what do you think? What do you think separated Midsummer from Hereditary in your mind? Because I know you love Hereditary. Um, I did like Hereditary a lot. Um, I felt that Hereditary was a lot more classier. And Midsommar came after it, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. So I feel like um, Hereditary was more of like a, it was a good starter film for him. For, uh, I think that was, that was Ari Aster. Ari Aster. Yeah. yeah. So, because it, it was really like, it was really a creepy movie, but it was kind of subtle. Like the entire movie doesn't really scare me per se. It's just more like I watched it with my girlfriend and she was like, that wasn't scary at all. That like, you get weirded out. Yeah, like it, it's so. just it's a very like uncomfortable movie to watch because yeah, kind of why I almost didn't like it just because I felt like way too uncomfortable by the end. It was just like I don't know, it's like the, like the little girl getting her head knocked off and like the the son just like listening to his mom freak out about it. Like it just felt too real those kind of scenes and even just like the ending of like the mommy's like the piano wire. It was just, it just grossed mm -hmm. me out. I felt like I think that the the biggest thing about it was that the entire movie you kind of almost feel like your skin's crawling like because it's it's got that vibe like you're inside of a it, it like you're inside of her model houses like you're some kind of doll in her play in her play set and it just gave me those it just gave me a very uncomfortable feeling the whole time which is kind of why I liked it because it made me I like a movie that makes me like think about it more as I as it passes on mm-hmm um, second time around obviously didn't have the same effect which is I think why a lot of these horror movies don't really affect me as much is because they're kind of one trick ponies yeah I guess you could say but I mean I respect Hereditary for what it is I thought it was a great movie the first time I saw it but uh, on the second viewing I'm like it, it's probably not my favorite but I don't know you could probably defend it better because I know how much you love it I do love it I, I definitely think Midsommar is actually more of a one trick pony than hereditary is yeah i mean because it's pretty much just uh it's like willy wonka it's basically just willy wonka and the chocolate factory but more more intense <laughs> like because you yeah. know you got you got the five people in the group and then they all make some stupid mistake that makes them get killed or you know turned into whatever you know <laughs> we won't and spoil then, the movie 
and yeah, yeah. But um, so, that's an interesting way. I never thought of it like that as like a horror Willy Wonka. Yeah, I mean, I I could see it that way because you know a lot of it's pretty much the same. It's you got this cult like atmosphere where you got this guy with his crazy chocolate factory, mm-hmm. and you got this cult of people who are like trying to celebrate this big this big event, and you know. You know, Willy Wonka gets offended when they, you know, go into his chocolate or they do they do something to, you know, they touch the top of his ceiling and it has to be repainted and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of very manic and strange. And then, you know, at the end of the movie, it has a nice little ending. And but in obviously Midsommar, it has a much more, you know, creepy and severe ending. But comedy and horror is like such a fucking fine line to walk. It's always really impressive to me when movies like that are able to kind of thread the needle yeah it takes a lot of skill like do you define Willy Wonka as a horror movie or you define it as a comedy is the question <laughs> I mean, it can either be both however you want to view it I mean you never see those kids at the end of the region so I mean it's, yeah. it's pretty fucking dark for a kid a g-rated movie <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's the whole tunnel scene where he's uh Gene Wilder is freaking the fuck out <laughs> He looks like he's on speed and the kids are just like, Jesus Christ, what's happening? That was the best part, though. Oh, yeah. It was. Is Gene Wilder on your uh, list of inspirational uh, people? I wouldn't even say inspirational, but I definitely like, loved all his movies, like, especially like you know with him working like Young Frankenstein was definitely like, one of his really good ones because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he wrote that, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say inspirational for me at least, but I mean, I definitely love his work. It was weird because I think um, I was trying to hear somebody bought his. I think um, rich, rich person, uh, Elon Musk bought his house recently, hmm. or in Seems the last like the few kind years. Of thing Elon Musk would do. Yeah, it was like he had all these like strange, like weird door. Like I feel like he was really like exactly the way you would think he was. He was just a complete fucking weirdo. Like he had all these secret doors and like you know weird compartments in his house and I don't know he, he just seemed like a strange guy but I've heard he's a he was a very like prominent person you could write to and he would always write back like he was hmm. a very accessible celebrity which was kind of nice kind of rare yeah I mean though he retired pretty early I guess like towards the towards the end of the nineties he kind of retired um, that's how I kind of feel with um Jim Varney. Like, did you ever watch the Ernest movies? No, no, I haven't. I've not. Um, like, I don't know. They're, they're, I feel like you maybe have to see them when you're a kid, but no, they're like the funniest things. But like, when you see him in interviews, he's like, he seems like the nicest person, like, like such like a gentle soul kind of guy. Um, but then, yeah, he just ended up passing away in like early 2000s or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Like one of those actors that you can tell is actually like a legit like cool person like behind mm-hmm. the scenes like a really nice guy i really hate to see when people you love like they say don't meet your heroes but i really hate that the fact that a lot of these celebrities just become really too pretentious after they become too big for their britches like you know tarantino for example has like millions of fans but i i think he's probably probably would be the one of the most like non-approachable people in hollywood <laughs> just given how big he is now i'm just worried about like any of my heroes becoming like um me too yeah that's yeah. that's that's troubling right now. Like I never, I never really like cared or looked up to Bill Murray, but I'm sure that was pretty hard. Not Bill, Bill Cosby. Yeah, I'm sure that was heartbreaking for a lot of people who really looked up to him. 
Yeah, I mean, we talked about the whole uh, cancel culture thing a, a week or two ago. Um, I feel vindicated by the Bill Cosby. Never you feel vindicated? Yeah, I always, I always told people Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I thought his show was great. I loved it when I was a kid, but obviously now it's it's just so tarnished because of of everything that went on. Um, I remember they taught a, I took I took a documentary class in college, and it w- and the other class the guy taught was a history of television class, and the one big one of the biggest sections was obviously the influence of the Cosby Show, and he has to have like a big thing on the slide now. It's like do not view this from a different point of view, obviously now because of what he's done. Um, yeah, but it's 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 hard now because you have to. It, it's not hard because you you know he's obviously a scumbag. You can just not you know support any of his work anymore. But it's a shame because of what he he did to comedy. Or like Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, he wasn't. He was a great actor, but he's not like he's not in any of my really favorite movies per se. I mean, he didn't have the numbers Cosby has. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. completely different. It's just I think Kevin Spacey really dug his own grave. Like I love, um, I love American. Yeah. I love uh, Seven. I love seven too. I mean, just, you know, it's, it, it's not, I, I feel no less. I, I don't feel any sympathy for Kevin Spacey because he's really made an ass of himself after the whole thing. Like he used the whole situation as an opportunity to come out. And then he's released all these cryptic videos as Frank Underwood in the post. Yeah. Those were definitely disturbing. <laughs> yeah. They like, tell gold what, what are the weirdest things I've ever seen a person yeah, like you're literally becoming the character that you you play on TV. It's a little strange. Like, like I don't think that's ever happened before in in um, any any sort, any any place. Right. Whoever it is, I will never ever ever work. You cut off there, bud. What's that? You're cutting off a little bit. I said I really want to know who's um, running his 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 PR right now. No one should ever work with them again. No, no. No. <laughs> yeah, he's he's blacklisted as far as you can get at this point. You know, but it's it, it sucks. I mean, I've never, like I said before, I've never had anybody really big in my in my, you know, sphere of people that I love been me too yet. But I guess it's important. We live in a we live in a time where everybody where a lot of people feel it's a it's a very comfortable time to come out about those sort of allegations. And, you know, obviously, in some situations, it's not it's not appropriate because, you know, in in a lot in very small amount of the cases, I think they can be false. But, you know, it's really important to call out a lot of these scumbags because they it's it's been going on for way too long. I saw an interview with that um, Barbara Walters, I think, did on. With who is the guy who who hung out with Michael Jackson a lot? Corey Feldman. Yeah, yeah, him too. But I remember it was an interview and Barbara Walters was doing it with Corey Feldman. And she was like, well, why would you do this to people in the industry? Well, if they fucked up, then why would you not want to call them out on this? I mean, he's been trying that for years, though, right? Like, he's been trying to tell people that, I don't know, MJ or whoever diddled him, but... I mean, I think he denied any. I think he defended Michael Jackson up until about the time that the Leaving Neverland documentary came out. Uh, so I think it was less against him; it was more towards what he felt was a predatory uh, environment in Hollywood, which is, is still the case. But yeah, he did like that music video too, where he was wasn't he kind of like dressed like MJ? Like he had like the he had like one glove and mm-hmm. 
maybe the jacket too. I just remember he did like some sort of music video, probably like six, seven years ago, maybe. Yeah. He put a- kind of dressed like him. It's a little weird. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin, though, I think he was. I feel like if if Macaulay Culkin had had anything happen to him, he would have let it let it out by now. Because he seems yeah. like a pretty stand up guy. Yeah. Like, might- I mean, nothing from it now. If he were to come out with it, I would think. Like I don't know. Like nothing would. Like I don't think there'd be any closure with that. Like I don't think there'd really be any point for him to bring it up if he wanted to. I don't know if he might. If even if it did happen, I don't know if he might not even. He was he was so fucked up on drugs. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. we don't know if Michael Jackson gave him any drugs or anything. Yeah, it's a shame because he was really a talented guy. He was really probably one of the one of the most important artists of his time. He was the king of pop. He he really he's probably one of one of the two or three most influential uh, musicians of his time. Um, but it's just Who's sad. The pop. What's that? Who's the current king of pop? Do you think? Like, if there was a Michael Jackson of today, would it be? I don't think there exists one. Because if you're the king of rock is obviously Dave Grohl. <laughs> there, yeah, there won't be one of like the Michael Jackson level. Like, maybe Justin Timberlake, maybe. Maybe. Mm, no, I don't think he's on the same level. Well, no, not the same level, but at least today's standards. Even, but even Justin Timberlake isn't really that big today. No, he's been more of an actor the last decade or so. I mean, maybe right. Chris Brown. Who? Maybe Chris Brown. No. <laughs> Talking about Me Too, Mr. Survived Me Too. <laughs> Fucking scumbag. It, so, yeah. It could legitimately be Drake. He's had like 19 number one songs. Yeah, I think Drake could be in the argument for that. As long as he's not creeping on Millie Bobby Brown, but that's another story in itself. He, he might be, though. There's, there's some weird going on. Yeah. So, that definitely seems a little creeper mode. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a little too creepy on her. I mean, if if she turned eighteen and he was all of a sudden dating her, I would not be surprised at all. No. Thanks. Yeah. This is the industry that we want to join, Dixon. I know it is, and you you can do all the cocaine and hookers thing if you want, and I'll I'll stick to being the normal, you know, run of the mill kind of guy. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll party in Vegas while you're writing our next script. Exactly. That's how oh. it should be. So, I think we're at about an hour right now. Do you guys have any closing thoughts before we finish off for the evening? You want to get into um, advice? Yeah. I think we should ask uh, Larry advice directly. Larry, this is our segment where we go on Reddit because we don't have any people sending us questions. Oh, we actually do have people sending us questions this time. We do? I have a viewer question. Ooh, who is this mystery viewer? So, um, let me just, uh, sorry about that. Let me just uh, get this question ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then we can go to Reddit if you want and look for some more. But, all right. So, dear Dixon and Parodies, uh, I am a 22 year old woman. I'm currently in a fuck buddy relationship with a 27 year old man. We worked together at the office. We met there. You know, he seemed cool. We've hung out a few times. Things have been going all right. Unfortunately, the problem is that he is married with two kids, and I didn't know this at the time. 
He says that the marriage is not going well and that he is interested in leaving his wife for B. But he has also lied to me about this, and I can't be sure if he is lying about this uh, this as well. Sorry. Um, the problem is I want to cut him off from my life, but it is difficult because we work together. What do you advise that I do? Jeez. I mean, if you want to be a homewrecker, I guess go for it. <laughs> I mean, you've kind of you kind of dug your own grave there. I mean, if you're going to shoot where you eat, then that's what you that's what you set yourself up for. Yeah, I know all too well, Dixon. Yeah, I know you do. Um, yeah, I just um, here's the thing, right? Like, if you, if you, if your thought is that you want to cut him out of your life, then like you already know like what's going down. You already know what you have to do. It's just a matter of when are you going to do it and how are you going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, obviously the guy does not have an issue with... Obviously the guy does not care about honesty. So. Yeah, I mean, does, definitely doesn't sound like a good person if he's, um, you know, going behind his, you know, wife and family uh, back like that. So. I mean, if you mm -hmm. want the rest of your life with something like that, I mean, go for it, I guess. But well, the thing is, it doesn't sound like she wants. It sounds like she wants to end the the relationship, but she's just like the fact that they work together is is like going to make that an issue. Eh, so it'll be a little weird. So yeah. <laughs> so what exactly? I think it's just a matter of trust. Like, if if this person is going to go cheat on their wife, what makes you think they're not going to cheat on you? Exactly. Because it's, would, it's, it's very rare that you would see a guy leave his family for a younger woman and actually work out. I, I don't see that happening very often in my limited experience on the matter. And this is like, let's be clear, it's not a big age difference. Like, it's not like no. the man is like 40 years old and she's some like college student. Like, it's, they're relatively close in age, but even so, like. Yeah. But I, I, I wonder, like, I would probably, I, I, I would probably just like, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know, I think we've said everything. <laughs> I would not worry about it, is what I'm trying to say. I would just, if, if you, if you feel like you want to end it, then just, just end it and cut your losses. And if it's awkward, then like, listen, just tell p other people, like, what happened. From a moral standpoint, I mean, if. If you were the person that was married, would you want that to happen to you? That's that's mm -hmm. my real response to that. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I I don't know if I would like blow up his spot. Like, like I don't know if I would go to the wife and be like, "Listen, this is what your husband is doing." But like, I don't like I don't know if I would do. I I would I would probably just let him figure that out for himself. But like. Yeah, I would not, um, I would not pursue this further is what I'm trying to say. I say blow up his spot. He deserves it. He, blo he deserves it. I, that's what <laughs> I think. I mean, yeah, there's, there's something to be said there. Yeah. Do you want me to dive into Reddit and get some more? Sure. Give us a juicy one to finish this off for the evening. All right. Cause I'm sure Larry um, wants to go to bed. <laughs> I want to watch Airbud. Airbud. Oh, Airbud, awesome. I was just talking about that movie the other day, just 
I just keep thinking how like um just like how bad the kids would feel in that movie, like that your team sucks so much that like they had to bring a dog in to like help improve. <laughs> That's really one of the great Hollywood plots. It really is. Like imagine you have a kid and you're telling like, you know, other family members like, Hey, yeah, come come see my kids um game. You go in there and you see your own son or daughter is being benched for a golden retriever to come play basketball for you. There'd be lawsuits off the wazoo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to end off on this classic. Um, I thought my girlfriend was cheating on me. Then I found out she's catfishing some guy. All right. Um, Good start. I, I am a hi, Hello. Dixon and Parodies, and Larry, of course. Um, I'm a 23-year-old man, and I've been going out with my girlfriend for two years now. We moved in together just three months ago. Well, congratulations. I started to suspect after our first two months living together, he started to suspect what? That she was cheating? He, he, did, he doesn't say what he was starting to suspect. Um, She'd constantly be on her phone, but when I'd walk back into the room, she'd subtly put it away, or I can hear her thumb pressing the home button on her phone and act like she was scrolling on another app. Um, we know each other's passcodes, but I never thought I'd actually use it to snoop until she was in the shower earlier, and I just couldn't take it anymore. There, This is... This is this is weird, worded weirdly, and I'm having trouble understanding what you're saying. Um, there was nothing in her text, and she doesn't have a Snapchat, so I couldn't find anything that indicated she was cheating on me. I abandoned the mission, as it was clearly not anything that I should be worried about. But then I looked through her phone again another time, and I saw she had the Kick app hidden in one of her folders. All right, I, f- I forgot Kick existed. Interesting. It's mostly um, a uh, avenue for the, uh, you know, those kind of people. Yeah, <laughs> not not surprised. Not for the children. Stay away yeah. from there. Um, there was only one person she was chatting with on there, but I when I looked at the profile picture associated with the account, it wasn't even her. It was a picture of some random chick I've never seen before, and my girlfriend also was not using her actual name. When I looked through the messages, I felt my stomach drop. There were all these heart emojis calling each other baby, saying stuff like, I love you. I almost threw the phone across the room. It took a little while, but I got the first few messages. I guess they started messaging on Tumblr before they decided to start chatting I read every single message, and it hit me that she was lying to this dude about basically everything about her. Her name, her age, what state she lives in, what she does for a living. She made up this whole story about how she lost her job because of the pandemic and is living with her parents. Hmm. Like, the fact that she's even cheating on me the whole time was bad enough, but she literally made up a whole different life, and for what? I asked her why would she do this for fun? Why would she make up a bunch of bullshit for a guy she's never going to meet and act like she has feelings for him? I couldn't believe that she did this. 
had ruined this just because she was bored. Bored? Why did did she say, did she tell you she was bored? Because you didn't tell me that that was the reason. Right? Um, I left her crying in our apartment and I went out driving for a few hours. Came to crash at my friend's garage for the night because I'm not about to see her face right now. My phone is blowing up. I feel like it's over between us, even if to her it wasn't technically cheating. How the hell can I be with someone who literally lies to entertain herself or catfishes someone and acts like she's in love with them? What do I make of all of this? Yeah, I mean... This is a weird one. That situation, though. Like, first of all, dude, I think you did the right thing by cutting her losses here. This is, um... This is the I if you, you didn't explain really why she was doing it, like you, you know, said she was her end game and that like what's the point of that? Like is she trying to like out these people? Like isn't normally the point of catfishing like like on like aren't they like don't they go like out the person of like whoever they're hurting or whatever? Yeah, like I I'm really confused because the 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 reason behind the, the catfishing was not for... Maybe it's because he doesn't really know it, because he said he he left the house and hasn't been back, so maybe he just doesn't know why he did it. But it's... I don't know, dude, like... If, 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 if I found out my girlfriend was catfishing somebody and she didn't have, like, a good reason for doing it, or even if she did have a good reason, I'd probably still be like, this is, I don't know, this is kind of weird. Yeah, like, does she pretend to be a child? Because then that'd be weird. Like, maybe she wants to be the next Chris Hansen or something. Maybe. It sounded like, it didn't sound like she was, from what I could read, that she was pretending to be a kid. It sounded like, because she said she lost her job because of the pandemic and had to move back in with her parents. So I, I, I feel like she's, she was pretending to some, be someone who's still an adult, but I don't know, man. Like you're, you're exact. I think Larry, you're exactly right. Like, what was the end game here? What were, I'm very. I don't know if this was like a, maybe she just watched way too much MTV and wanted to see what would happen. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, that's a weird one. Like same as before. I'm just like you maybe know. I have to try to see what it's like. Maybe get that same rush. I don't know. Yeah, try it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you. Did, I think he did the right thing by cutting his losses, but that's what you should uh, do without fully knowing why. Like, there's no way I could really say for sure. Yeah, you I know? mean, if you catch a, a girl in a lie like that, I mean, if there's if it's pretty obvious like that, you might as well just cut your losses at that point. I mean, if you want to give her the benefit of the doubt, I guess, but yeah. I feel like there has to be, I don't want to feel like I'm reading into this guy's relationship, but I I feel like there has to be, like, more to this story than just what has been presented. Like, not only in just the terms of why she was doing it, but also, like, why he was so quick to just leave the relationship because of it. Because when you said, but Matt, when you said, like, give her the benefit of the doubt if he wanted to do that, I was like, like, there must, there must have been something that happened before this that he was like, I don't know, I don't know, man, like, there, there must have been some kind of thing before 
this happened that he was like if he's that suspicious if he's that suspicious then i i question his his morals for a second like are you the untrusting one or i don't know but yeah that's because he when he was untrusting the first time and looked through it and it was nothing but then went back and looked a second time it it makes me think like you're not trusting her for some other reason it's just hard to tell like what the whole point of her doing that is for because like, it doesn't seem like cheating technically because she's not sending like pictures of herself she's just making up this whole story but i don't know maybe it's maybe simple. it's some kind of weird fantasy yeah like okay. just trying to get sympathy from others i guess just making up this weird sad story about yourself yeah. it could be entirely made up because it does come from reddit yeah that's true yeah, could be some, you have to view some that guy way. in his basement who wants to tell a story. Yeah. Damn, we're getting too deep. We are. Yeah. Do you um, want to get deep on one more, or do you want to end things for the night? We can get deep. Deep blue sea. Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I had a date. Did I have a date with a homeless guy? Question <laughs> mark. mark. Okay. <laughs> Um, this is I can't, I can't this is this this all is already too funny just for the title okay hi Dixon and parodies and Larry just want an opinion on this I had a date last week with a guy who was on tinder who told me he works at IT all in all it seemed reasonable enough and it checked out on paper what do you like? I, I'm confused about what you mean here. Like it checked out on paper. Like, I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and it seemed logical. So it, we're gonna go yeah. with it. Like he said, I he said I work. Generally, like when somebody tells me what they do for a living, and I just met them, I'm not checking to see if they actually do that thing for a living. But whatever, here nor there. So I met him for coffee, and we planned a second date. On the second date, he told me he is temporarily living in a hostel as he lost his last job and was promised another job by another person to start in the next few weeks. During the date, he drank excessively and smoked and claimed he is a non-smoker. What? He also asked me for my phone to delete my Tinder app, informing me, quote, I didn't need it anymore. He called me baby and came on to me pretty strongly sexually, which made me uncomfortable. During the date, he also told me he's never had a girlfriend and was physically abused by his parents, but that he's a nice guy. This is just getting weirder and weirder. How far into the relationship are they that he reveals that kind of stuff? This is the second date, apparently. Like, Some Jesus people are just Christ. like that. Some people just tell you their whole lives after like, you know, five seconds. Or say like, hey, by the way, I was abused by my parents. What's right. Up? But clear, clearly this is too much for her. She's. But like, so I, I politely told him that I did not want to see him again. And he is calling me nonstop and texting me nonstop. I blocked him, but he is continuing on another number. He is calling me a bitch, a con, etc. And insulting me and then switches to romantic messages recently he messaged me saying that he was lying about being interested but then went on to say that he actually is interested and was just trying to save face he i've also received an unsolicited dick pic from him okay that's not cool um 
Among pictures, he took clothed of himself in the mirror of a hostel room. He goes on and on in some of his text messages about how attractive he is. He also says he is currently having sex with women in the hostel and not looking for a relationship with them as he is holding out for me. Any advice would be awesome. I'm, I have a theory. I have a few questions. Okay, first of all, what, where, how does, how do you get homeless out of this? Am what? I, am I dating, the question isn't, am I dating a homeless man? The question is, am I dating a psychopath? And the answer is yes. I have a very strong theory about this uh, particular topic. Okay. Um, I think that this person who is writing this is themselves, is themselves the person that they are describing. Really? Yeah. Girl from the pre-story. Let, let, me, let me break it down. Sure. Okay, so you know the the way this person describes the, the first of all, we don't is this person describing a woman or a male? A man. So this is a woman describing a man. Yes. I'm just thinking that more or less this person is describing what they would want to hear, and they are actually somebody who is just writing stream of consciousness while they are themselves are homeless and hopped up on some sort of hallucinogenic drugs um so they they envisioned a whole weird relationship with i, I don't see i don't see how this person is able to if, if this person is homeless and is able to get multiple cell phone numbers is my question yeah that's yeah. where yeah, i'm that was that, tripping me up like how how does he have multiple phones but doesn't have a house maybe because like she keeps mentioning him being in a in a hostel or whatever Mm-hmm. that's the only clue I would think of maybe he's possibly homeless but right homeless people normally don't have like a shit ton of cell phones so I don't know I, I think the I think what threw me about the question is that the question in like the title of the thing was am I dating a homeless man but then the body of the question wasn't like it wasn't like she was like oh we went on a date and he ordered lots and lots of food like he, he looked like he'd never seen food before and then he asked me if he could crash at my house like it wasn't like that it was like the the title of the piece is is making is not asking am i dating a homeless man it's asking am i dating a homeless man or am i the homeless man too deep again we gotta yeah. stop yeah we gotta stop we really have to it's i think keep up with him though it sounds like the classic rom-com situation yeah, uh, yeah. Dating the homeless man who works at IT. This sounds like the the uh, the PG version of uh, leaving Las Vegas, minus the alcoholism. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you two advices. Number one, if you are really who you say you are, the the advice is to cut this guy off. Do not go on any more dates with him. He is clearly mentally unstable. He is clearly narcissistic and crazy don't pursue this and if it is the man having a fever dream my advice is please get help there is help out there for you only you can prevent forest fires yes thank you Smokey the bear (laughs) larry where can the beautiful people find your beautiful face on social media if you're into that sort of a thing if you're not we can just tell them where you live (laughs) dress later um, I mean, I don't really do social media that much, so it's no point of really following me. 
Yeah. You're just yeah. A, you're you're really just a phantom. Pretty much. I I just browse. I, just I was creep. I was really surprised you agreed to this because you're just a, you're a mysterious guy. You disappear from the internet a lot, and I don't uh, I don't know where to find you most of the time. Well, I like you, Matt. So you know, you asked me, I was like, yeah, it sounds cool. So well, yeah. I'm glad you joined. We had a lot of fun today. Yes. Yeah, yeah. definitely had a blasty blast. That's I think it would have been better if we did it earlier because you do seem a little tired. Well, no, I'm just just chilling. Just chilling. Oh, yeah. Available at every hour of the day. <laughs> Watch. So it's beer o'clock, boys. Indeed, it is. Time for another one. Much. I don't drink anymore, so. Oh, you don't? No, I gave up. Hmm. Personal reasons. What personal reasons, may I ask? May I cry? Um, I don't want to drink anymore. That's the personal okay. reason. Regan, drunk and <laughs> people on kick. What's that? Regan, drunk and catfishing people on kick. I think I, I think that was the uh, the crux of the whole thing. Were you getting drunk and pretending to have a relationship with a homeless woman? Um, I think I found a few good titles for this week's episode <laughs> in that statement. So, to be gotcha. to be determined. Mm, I right, like it. All right, Larry. It was a pleasure. Um, we would yeah. love to have you on another time. Have some more detailed topics. Yeah. A little short Definitely. notice, but we we loved having you on, and we we wish you the best. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it was definitely fun. Definitely, you know, whatever you want, just let me know. All right, let man. Sounds good. Bye, man. See you around.